Hi everyone, welcome back to the third and highly anticipated episode of the Gross Domestic Podcast. We're your hosts. Um, Antonio. And Grace. And we are back! And we're happy to have you with us. Yeah. So. It's been, I would say a minute, but that, (laughs) it's like, when did we, like, Four months ago, I want to say. I think that's like yes. a. I think that's like a we conservative estimate. In February. Yeah. We've had a lot on our plates. Yeah, a lot has transpired, which we'll like get into. I think at like the start of this, just to fill everyone in, because you're so, so interested in what's going on in our lives. Um, but we definitely at least owe you an explanation for going yeah. MIA after being so seemingly dedicated to this. It was really a. Uh, out of our hands but also like man we just you have to sometimes get your own life in order yeah sometimes you have to take a break i thought a lot about how like youtubers are like oh i've just been like too online lately and i need to like take a break and step away and they leave and it's like we're not even on that level but it's like already we needed to do that (laughs) i'm like not comparing myself to like a famous youtuber but um we needed a break for being here yeah and i think this will be a long episode we have a lot to talk about so much there are so many things i have not been thinking also for the past four months so i think um today my brain will be like all the neurons to check the news my stepdad and i split a subscription to jacobin though um a year-long subscription so i've kind of been in that but it's really like that long form deep lefty ass like like you know their readership isn't that much. It's yeah. just everyone subscribing. Kind of jerk. Jacobin, yeah. whatever. Yeah, however you say it. Or Jacobin. I don't know. I don't actually know either. I've never heard someone say it out loud. I just read the name. Yeah, I just say Jacobin. It sounds like Jackal to me, which I think Ooh, is kind Jacobin. of kind of you know Doctor Jackal, Mister Hyde. They have very good uh, graphic design. IMO. Yeah, my they have some good graphic design. Um. Anyway, so, so what have you been up to? Me, um, okay, so we both started new jobs. We both started new jobs. We have new jobs, which is, it's been fun for me, honestly, and I think I can say the same for you, yeah. I had a job I thought I would like, but I ended up really not enjoying, and I got very just lucky that a friend recommended me for a different job, and I was like, yes, and it's, I actually feel like that weird, like, um, when people are like, what's... You know those Tumblr posts from when we were, like, 15 where it's like, I just want a tiny apartment in a city with yeah. a job I don't hate and bookshelves and, and drink tea with my cat. Yeah, and that's us But I don't have a cat. Except I have a cavernous apartment now. Not to brag. <laughs> as we record in our podcast studio. As as one says, I mean, I have way more space than I ever thought I would afford at my age. I think I definitely hopped on the, the renter wagon. At a yeah, good point in COVID history, the COVID. Now New York is like pretending to be out of the out of the dark with COVID, but I don't know, dude. Just a little over half of the population's vaccinated here. Yeah, I was at the gym today too, and they were talking about some like like beta variant or like COVID it's the Delta. Delta. It's Delta. Yeah, Delta <laughs> I was like Alpha, Omega, Beta. Six percent of I was actually just listening to an I was I was watching the news today because I oh, thought look I should at I should us. Be educated. Six um, percent of infections in britain are the delta variant okay so that's a small that's estimate i'm also like i don't know it's a relatively new variant it's quite something yeah i know i, I mean Ooh, I, don't, I don't know sexy but i mean okay i'm not i don't know my thing is just like the flu mutates every year and like there are like really severe variants oh, yeah. of the flu that are like honestly more deadly than covid so i'm not like i think like 
I don't know, and this is maybe a controversial opinion, but I think the media has like really like hyper inflated a lot of what's happened. In my I don't know. head, I thought, especially once com- there, once discussions about patenting a vaccine began, I realized that pharmaceutical companies definitely would prefer to have a patent so that they could control vaccine distribution, especially since if the U.S. has the like, developed countries have the vaccine. Right. And non-developed countries don't <laughs> the US have the vaccine. The U.S. famously did not export any no. for months. And so if, if into the developing global south, third world, whatever you want to call it, it all refers to the same set of disenfranchised countries, right? Ex-colonial nations primarily. So as long as in developing well, countries there's no guaranteed access to a vaccine, the virus is going to keep mutating. Do you want to know something And this is a pharmaceutical company's dream. Yeah, no, it's like so Like, if vodka. I was Pfizer, I would patent the shit out of... I mean, sorry, not if I... If I was Pfizer, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be Pfizer. <laughs> I wouldn't. We wouldn't I be Pfizer. I wouldn't be Pfizer. Can I tell but, you something interesting, though? Yes. I was listening to another podcast, and they were talking about how who... The World Horse... World, horse. world horse, horse. <laughs> world horse organization. No. I'm, a, I'm coming out as a horse girl. Um, no, the Are world... Yeah, I, I don't know. They're interesting animals, but... Um, <laughs> They're cute. I... They've grown on me a lot. They're big. The World Health Organization recategorized pandemics um, during, I think, swine flu. Okay, also, who is curiously, like, financed by Big Pharma. Is that even curious? No, it's not curious. It makes total sense. Oh, curiously. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. That was, like, texting you, like, curiously. Curiously. And it doesn't, my sarcasm does not come across. Curiously, um, asterisks. They, oh, exactly. Them a little tipsy. But um, recategorize pandemics. So there's like a number of criteria for like what qualifies as a pandemic, which is like it's global in reach, it's like spread between people, and it's like deadly. And they removed that like sort of like third criterion that it's like deadly, deadly. with, I think it was, I mean, someone can correct me here. I think it was H1N1. Um, because they were all itching to produce a vaccine. Phenomenal. You guys, this is a contra- I feel like people are going to really come for me for saying this, but I'm like, honestly, like the, yeah. no, if you're it is what it is. I just like, you see the things. It's not like a conspiracy theory. I definitely believe no, that's COVID exactly is real and it's, deadly. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's like, it's like these two things can be true at the same time. COVID exactly. is super deadly for Mark, especially your income and race basically are the, like, and age. The, the, I think they're like the prime determinants. The factors of yeah. whether or not you live or die from COVID. Yeah. Nonetheless, and COVID is still a big problem in yeah. marginalized um, communities, um, especially communities where like people, where there's like a lot of just natural, I, I say natural very loosely, like historical, generational, cultural, you know, distrust of the medical industry. Communities that have not been yeah. served have been in fact taken advantage of by the medical industry. Um, but nonetheless... I don't blame them. Like, it sucks that that's there, that, that, that there's that distrust there with this vaccine, but I don't yeah. blame them. And at the same time, I'm like, if we really look at how, I mean, you remember when Goldman Sachs was like, pitched this thing to like pharmaceutical companies, like it's actually not profitable or a good idea in terms of your finances to cure diseases. I mean, yeah. They literally had a whole- And here we are. <laughs> about like how curing diseases like hepatitis C actually doesn't- is bad for your bottom line, yeah. bad for your profits, so to say, because 
if you were to, hepatitis C is the example, if you were to cure hepatitis C, the more cures you sold, the fewer people you would have buying cures from you. Yeah. And the fewer sick people with hep C you would have out there infecting other people. Yeah. This, in this, in the, the, the survey, they said it didn't apply to cases like cancer because evidently you can't transmit cancer and cancer happens irrespective of how you cure it. But with right. infectious diseases, there is not a high incentive to cure it. And I think I'm really seeing that, at least me, I'm seeing that here because I'm like, if I was a pharmaceutical company and I had the opportunity to give the first world a vaccine and deny the third world a vaccine so the virus could keep mutating in the third world and I could keep selling the vaccine for the yeah. mutated virus to the first world. Yes. I would totally do it. It's perfect. It's Not like a really, I was, I, like, no, but it's like a perfectly disgusting. demented iteration on like every other like colonial project yes. that we've seen throughout human history. And the fear we feel here, you were talking about like what, what, like what fear about it is warranted and what has what fear has been produced basically yeah exactly and i'm like well let's think about the countries that we've been forced to associate covid with yeah what do we have right now it's china china which also i mean and we can't get in we'll get into this i think china too though is like a really also also can i just say i'm not that this whole episode is going to be about covid but like but we the renewed interest living through new york Living through COVID in New York, I will say. Oh my God. We, we can fucking talk about COVID. No, we can talk about it. We did not leave our apartment the, for like two months. Almost I, two I months. calculated it. Two was, months. It was nine weeks. Yeah. Which is insane. And it's like, I can't even begin to describe like how like deleterious that was to our like the first mental health. Day, I remember you were like the first. I was like, like early adopter of like paranoia. Yes. <laughs> oh, but when I, when I left for the first when time. I was, okay. I was too, but I was like freaking out about, I was like, oh my God, am I like the, like the freak who's like trying, like obsessed with like controlling it? You know, I was just yeah, like, no, I was, like, like we love to like, control things about it. Yeah. I was so relieved when you were like, here are the steps we're taking. Honestly, I'm so relieved. Yeah. I mean, I was then, too at a certain, yeah. But then when you were like, okay, I think we should go, we should, we can go for a walk. Yeah. Like outdoor transmission, super low. We've got masks, whatever. The first time I, like, literally just, like, saw a tree. (laughs) No, I cannot. Also, like, you know I'm, like, an avid walker. The first day I left, like, my legs have, like, never been in more pain because we were moving around, like, 100 square feet for, like, months. I walked all the way to Barclays Center. Not that long of a walk, honestly. Not that long of a walk. Now that's that's chump change. Yeah. I literally was, like... Go there and back five I times. I couldn't get home, but I was too scared to take the train or a yeah. car or get a car or yeah. anything home. I was like, but, um, and it's like, I think now, like obviously hindsight is, but I'm 2020, but like, I think like, I don't know, coming out of it, I definitely have like a different perspective. And I think like the, also how we reacted was like real and valid. And I mean, at the time, all we did was especially like, okay, the, you got to stay home from work. Yeah. A week and a half, two weeks later, I got to stay home from work. Then the rest of our apartment is like, okay, we're at home. That feels very severe, especially when most of our lives are about like not interacting with that scene. Or being home ever. That's like the beauty. My last train ride before the serious lockdown, I was, there were people on the train with masks already. And that was Mm -hmm. the second or third week of March. The second week of March. I actually know exactly what week it was. It was the first week of March because it was the same time. 
an art fair in Europe was happening, that a bunch of cases that turned into a super spreader event. Yeah, awesome. Um, it was the first week of March. Yeah. It's been over a year, and we're here, and I'm really glad we're all here. Yeah, I'm glad we're back. I'm glad this podcast exists. Yes. Um, but Back to. What I was going to say, though, was just like, I find it very curious now that we have... Okay. Let me lay this out. Trump administration. Yes. In uh, calls it the China virus, xenophobic. And he says it like it's a slur. Yeah. China virus. The China virus. Yeah. Um, whatever. Um, any sort of like entertainment of the thought that this was like lab generated was like by and large like seen as like xenophobic. Um, whatever. That happened. We went through COVID. We have the Biden presidency. And now we have like a renewed interest, interest in, in whether or not it was like we have a manufactured interest in antagonizing China. Yeah. Because really precisely because and we can get into this. I keep saying that, but like we should just get We're into, just it. into it. But like precisely because like China is as like a fellow capitalist country. Oh, I mean, hundred percent. If anybody thinks the U.S. is a free market, and if anyone thinks that China is communist, grow the fuck up. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like I don't know. Like learn to read. Sorry, read. I don't mean to be. Yeah, no, we're that not. That was mean. That was a we're mean not, way to put it. But but just. No, but like literally, like China's it's like who obvious. is America's biggest economic ally? Who recovered more quickly than the U.S. did? And like, if you out doubt it for a moment, think about how much China's economy relies on Americans outsourcing manufacturing, yes. and think of how much yes, Ameri- the American economy relies on China's ability to manufacture our shit. Yeah, because I think to this day, and like that's just the tiny fraction of it. Like, yeah, it's they're literally like the like. It's a the push and pull yeah. of like well that's what I was gonna say where it's like it's like this demented like they're co-producing one another yes. right now because it's like China is at once dependent but like emerging from a dependence on an American economy mm-hmm. as is America yeah so like I mean I don't know someone's got to come out on top I to be honest with you don't think it's gonna be the United I don't States either. I mean prove me wrong but I also mean- China like problematic but i'm like they are heavily invested in africa right now they are and historically digging your feet into africa during economic times of economic and global strife yeah i'm like let's take a few let's take a trip back a few centuries what did europe do they dug their feet into africa and south america and southeast asia during times of economic strife yeah the 19th, I mean, I don't know about the 19th century. I mean, there were a lot of, like, little, like, whack-ass wars within Europe in the 19th century. And I'm sure that felt like the world to them. So, you come out of it with all these rights to property, re- to, to land resources, and basically biopower within these hugely potential-filled territories. I'm like... Yeah. It is definitely <clears throat> imperialism. Right. I don't think that... I think it's, like, stupid to be, like... In the same way that it's stupid to be, like, how, like, American agriculture... Agribusiness treated South America. That's... Right. We, yeah, exactly. sure, it's, like, legal, and it's just economics, but it's definitely imperialism. Right, but I mean, China I think the U.S. government into, is, like, um, a missionary of, like, totally, American corporate interests. Totally. They're the foot soldiers of, like... 
Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, obviously that's not how we would like love a democracy to function. Um, I think but it's quite crazy when like, it's especially conservatives think of it as like, oh, the U.S. government is doing this. The U.S. government is doing this. Like, I'm like, no, big government doesn't exist in this country. I'm going to be honest with you. It's a big corporation funding to certain candidates, one. Yes. And two, I'm like, when Democrats or liberals or progressives, on the other hand, are like, oh my God, like, how dare the government do this? I'm like, the government isn't even like, it's like a, it's like a little curtain that separates you yeah. from how corporations create and like execute it's an interface yeah it's an, it's interface. an interface in the most literal a sense a of the thing word in and of itself yeah. like kamala isn't there's no conflict for kamala when she's like don't come here yeah when she when she has never been to the border i mean i don't even care that she's ever been to the border because i honestly i'm like why would she go to the border she's a fucking she's the vice president of the united states she yeah. just has like the nuke in her hand. At not least literally. Trump went to Puerto Rico that At one least time. Trump went to Puerto Rico. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, but I'm just um, like, when Kamala's like, don't come here, I'm like, well, what did you fucking expect from her? Like, I'm so sorry that I ever told anyone to vote. That's so stupid. Yeah. Well, I don't know. And again, I mean, not to like keep harping on this, but I think it's like a lot of, and I, uh, hindsight's 2020 I'm seeing it a lot more clearly now but like a lot of the ways that I feel like I have reacted in the past year have been like by and large like guided produced influenced by like media me too for sure and the internet and I'm like I think back to to the beginning when we were all like oh like flatten the curve like stay home and it's like our none only of outlet that was the internet that was the only yeah. place we could know anything outside yeah. of literally like well because like all just... social spheres have just been like totally annihilated we have yes. like no like community based yes. like true yeah means of interacting anymore so That's it's why like people overshare online yeah I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't even think oversharing is bad. I, in my head, when I see someone overshare online now, I'm like, this is something you would do in a perfectly natural space with people who would respond to you and know you and care 100%. about you. But you're just forced to do it online because there is no other space to do it. Because like, you're either in the city and you're just like, never see your neighbors because no one wants to see each other. Or you're in a rural setting where like, the rural community has been annihilated by large agribusiness yeah. and just like, by Bill how... Gates. <laughs> yeah, by how, especially, like, the government treats infrastructure in rural communities. Yeah. Or you're in the suburbs, and the suburbs are made to be transversed by cars. Like, when yeah. you live in the suburbs, you don't see other people's bodies except indoors. Like, you don't, no one's walking in this. If you're listening from the suburbs, look at the sidewalk. Like, who's walking on the sidewalk in your town? Is there a sidewalk in your town? There are plenty of parts of my hometown with no sidewalk whatsoever. Yeah. Well, like, None a lot of sidewalk. the country, too, is just, like, it's, like, open you know it's like open roads Raccoon well regions yeah i mean we can do another episode on like urban design I think we should. but or i mean i would love to do that but yeah i mean it's like nothing is like it's very like anti-human honestly i agree because it's like how can we corral people into these like zones mm-hmm. to like produce i also okay i'll finish my thought but like i have two thoughts how can we, like, corral people into all of these zones in which they're, like, sort of, like, confined to only, like, producing? Word. Okay, one. Two. Oh, yeah. Like... That's a really good way to put it, even, I feel. Yeah. No outlet except production. No option except... Yeah. Produce. And then I'm seeing it more now, like, on TikTok, where it's, like, 
and and maybe it's because like I wasn't seeing it on like a social media, but so many people, especially because rent is cheaper in Manhattan, are like moving to New York now. Which like I don't care. I'm not like gatekeeping New York. If you want to move here move here I think like be respectful of the communities into which you move and like understand the history like that's its own thing don't move into a majority like low income person of color community and then call the cops on your neighbors for being super loud and smoking weed and having a barbecue you know but it's like so curious to me that like everyone like wants now to move into these like zones where it's just like so concentrated and you're like only like your own like you're as much as I love New York like consumer habits as you yeah have. yeah I was thinking about this with Williamsburg because yeah. there's I mean I, I know quite a few people who live in bed like deep bed style Williamsburg or a couple colleagues live in the lower east side and I was like in my head like every time I'm like kind of near where they live or I visit them or something I'm like damn I would feel like I lived in a shopping mall yeah I cannot believe for the life of me that people live like habit town no soho people live in soho south of houston street that neighborhood people live there That's and i'm like true. it is the world's largest outdoor mall it, it really is i really is i always tell people this i'm like yeah there's no malls in new york i was telling my boyfriend's parents this when he visited i was like they but there's soho i was like there's yeah of course there's no malls here we literally have soho i was like we were in times square i was like this is this is, is this not a shopping mall without a roof I'm like, times square is disneyland yes Soho is like the Grove. Like, yeah, I'm using I'm using SoCal references. Okay, and Fifth Avenue is kind of dead. That wall in Costa Mesa. I feel like a lot of the shops. Costa Mesa, but but then but then Fashion Valley in San Diego, or what is it called? Rodeo Rodeo Drive. Yeah, Rodeo Drive. If you guys are ever touristing to New York, don't even bother with Fifth Avenue. Just go to Madison above 60th Street. Go to Brooklyn, honestly. Honestly, go to Brooklyn. <laughs> go to Brooklyn. Brooklyn-based podcast here. If we're going to be honest, like... I, like, every time I go into Manhattan Avenue. now, I'm like... <laughs> like, I, I love Manhattan. Obviously, we spent, like, so many years of our life there. But I'm, like, now that I'm, like... I, I'm, like, based in Brooklyn. I'm, like... I'm never trying to leave Brooklyn. Also, our neighborhood now is so quiet. And it's, like, whenever I go, like, back to, like, the East Village or the Lower East Side or something, I'm, like... <gasps> you know, I'm like, I cannot, like, there's too much happening. I was always joking. I was like, it's going to be dead silent at night when we live near the cemetery. Which is It is dead amazing. It's the best. It's the best. It is I the feel best like a 50-year-old world. Um, no. I was reading an article today in the, excuse me, New York Times. I read it because I think you should read a lot of different things at the same time. Yeah, you should read Fox News, honestly. You should honestly read Fox News. Just I don't. Turn like, on your ad blocker and read Fox News. Like, if you're not so, like, reactionary to it, it is, like... And that's the thing. I feel like when you really start to, like, open yourself to, like, multiple, like, perspectives of, like, thought... Yes. To not, and not that I'm saying one's right or one's wrong. It's just interesting that when you can kind of pull back to like a higher level and not a higher level. Oh my God. Sorry. It's fine. Um, I'm rambling, but like, but no, when you, you can take a step to... back from like everything that you're so submerged in to be like, this is what other people are saying. That's, that is like what like good fact, thought and I, good arguments are like founded in fact, upon. I think that if you can't engage with the opposition, if you can't literally, like, 
Look at what a super conser- If you can't read, like, Ayn Rand, Which, and honestly, just give it a level fucking view and level-headedly address, like, that it is what it is, like, this is the reason that you feel or that other people feel like this thought came about, like, this is the impact this thought has had, this is why people identify with and appreciate it. That's- you just need to get out of your little side of like the internet. Like it's, you, yeah. should, you should actually be able to do that. And I'm like, that shouldn't compromise your stance as like, I'm someone yes, on I, the left. I'm someone yeah. who really believes that like, we should be read that people deserve dignity, that we should like the, like the way wealth works and the benefits that wealth people gives people is are like not only incredibly unfair, but like inhuman and yeah. like way over, like, way overblown. Like also like, I don't know. I feel like it's a, it's the left's MO to be very, like, not like, I don't know. I keep saying provincial, but it's, like, not what I mean. I looked up the word. But, like, it is the left's modus operandi to be, like, very, like, patronizing about, Definitely. like, their opinions. And it's, I like, people have... blog recently. Can I just finish this yes. off, though? It's just, like, people Sorry. have formed their own opinions. They have their own life experiences in the same way that you and I do. And it's, like, why not... Respect that. I might not agree with it, but, like, you're a human, and you're, tr- like, in the same way that everyone else is, you're just trying to fucking, like, totally live agree. in this capitalist hellscape. I totally Mark Fisher. <laughs> I'm, like, literally, hellscape. I was <laughs> he had a blog on, like, Blogspot or WordPress or something called K-Punk that everyone should check out. I mean, he has his incel moments, but he's a really great thinker. And so, anyways. Didn't he die recently? He killed himself. Oh. No. Rest in peace. R.I.P. Poor one out. But he... I'll crack a beer open He had a whole man. thing about this essay called Escaping the Vampire's Castle where he discusses precisely the left's desire oh. not to, like... Oh. Not to produce a socially just... Not... Okay, not, this isn't true. Because the left as a whole, the goal is definitely to produce a socially just world. A world where nobody... Yeah. Nobody has to, nobody like, suffers, scrounge for dignity and yeah. eat with the roaches. You don't have but to be an like, Uber driver. Uber drivers, uh, not, Uber drivers are a syndicate that owns their that owns the app and yeah. decide how they work. Yeah, a world like that, or how, or maybe a world where Uber doesn't exist. You know, we don't know yet. As Russell Brand said in that famous interview, you can't put me up here on an on a talk show and expect me to give you a utopian theory of how the world should work. Nonetheless, he discusses the left's tendency. To instead of pushing for like unity and I and like pushing for a world where people understand that each other's problems are incredibly deeply interlinked, mm-hmm. pushing just to have the higher moral ground because there is an inability to see past that. It's it's yeah. basically called escaping the va- the essay is called escaping the vampire's castle, but I totally see that all the time with internet leftism and I think that's like why recently in a TikTok I posted about like this really shit piece of contemporary art that's like a sculpture of a drone on the high line yes yeah you sent me and people were like well what do you mean it didn't start discourse it you started the discourse here like you just posted about it didn't you and I was like okay in my head you're like you I really wanted to say like wow because like okay but talking about something on TikTok doesn't change it yeah representing a problem pointing to a problem and drawing attention to a problem talking about a problem that's it it doesn't change the problem it's on like a symbol oh can i say this yes yes it's purely on a A symbolic symbolic level level. it's never never rarely on a material level no it doesn't it's not on a material level 
But you know what it is? Feel addressing something on a symbolic level. People like you walk by it. You've seen me posting about it on TikTok, something like that. Yeah. And you feel like, oh my God, someone is talking about this problem. Someone is addressing this problem. But talking about the problem and addressing the problem via internet discourse or via, you know, the little form of representation, like just yeah. by taking a photo of it and being like, isn't this fucked up? That's not a change. That's not an effect. In fact, turning it into art is first and foremost a way of turning a real life problem into, into an image, into a commodity, yeah. into a way to avoid taxes, into a way to boost real estate in Chelsea. Yeah. It's literally like Zaha Hadid is like I'm like I was reading all those comments climbing. and I was like dude for one fucking minute calm the fuck down I'm like literally like everyone everyone involved in putting the sculpture here put it here because they wanted to put a sculpture in a public park in Chelsea and the public park in Chelsea only exists to raise the real estate value of said neighborhood real estate in Chelsea thank no, you and I think that is like a tax break please yeah well it's like i don't know and that's where i i constantly like grapple with this issue where it's like it is important that we're talking about these things but we live in we live in a society um (laughs) we live in a society indeed we do um but we live in one that anything we do like has the potential to be commodified, sold, exchanged, like just reduced to this, like another, not driver, but another sort of like, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but just another sort of cog in the machine. Like it can all be reduced to that. So I think it makes like genuine changes to like material life quite difficult because we're so trapped in this culture that like valorizes like like one nothing like you know what I like non one of the key aspects of capitalism or production it, it valorizes production it does. and it's like what are you doing when you're doing these things you're producing things you're producing which things. it loves that even when you feel like you're relaxing on the internet you're producing data exactly as you listen to this I mean yeah no God, as you listen enjoy to this, yourself listen if you'd like to. yeah it's not what I mean I just mean like I don't mean to be like oh my god how dare you use the internet but we should be aware that Free services aren't necessarily free. Well, no. And the brilliant thing about capitalism is that it's like reduced life activity to like a commodity. So it's like even me calling you on the phone or texting you is like now has economic value to some extent. That's biopower, baby. Yeah. I couldn't define biopower, but if someone says something... The bio... (laughs) (laughs) But if someone says something, I can be like, oh, that's what... That's biopower. But it's like there's a sense that if you're not simultaneously, there's a sense that if what you're doing doesn't produce economic value of some sort, it's non-productive. Yeah. 24-7, Jonathan Crary, baby. Go to sleep. (laughs) You guys, you guys, everyone, sorry, everyone on everyone listening. Sleep. Sleep. Sleep is so important. It is one of the, as Jonathan Curry says, one of the last, like, it is the last um, refuge we yes. have from contemporary life. Take naps. Take naps. Sleep. If you have an hour-long lunch break, take the whole hour. Yeah. Your corporate job isn't going to think that you're better because you shaved half an hour off your lunch. They're like, oh, good, we got more labor out of them. 
yeah, I used to do that. And now I have a chiller job and it's really, I don't have a chiller job. I still have like a hard job, but like. I do have a job where I made clear that I'm taking the whole hour. No. Oh my God. Uh, I literally would like leave in the middle of the day to like go to the gym. And I like, I used to like, I, you know, also, cause like you were there, but like, I could not leave my computer for like nine to 10 hours. I would like take take it it into into the the bathroom bathroom. with you and put it on mute while you peed. Yeah. You can cut that out. No, I'll leave it in there because it's, like, dark. That's what we said. And I know also that a lot of people people, have had to do that. And that is, like, sick. It's demented. It's straight fun. But that's our world. That's the capitalist hellscape we live in, and that's awesome. Um, Anyway. Isn't it kind of fun to watch it all fall apart? Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, I think always, I think back to that Benjamin quote where he's, like, imagine, like, the... What I'm gonna can I pull it up? Talk about oh, something and I'll pull it, it up. The, is it the it's the It's like imagine or, mankind like da 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 Mankind used to be an object of contemplation, contemplation for the Olympian, Olympian gods, gods and now they are at such a I don't know. Wait, I got it, I got it here. Okay. So Listen. here's the quote. I love this quote and I think clearly think about it quite often. Um it's from Art in the Age of Mechanical Reproduction. Yes. Um, mankind, which in Homer's time was an object of contemplation for the Olympian gods, now is one for itself. Its self-alienation has reached such a degree that it can experience its own destruction as an aesthetic pleasure of the first order. Yeah, we need to take a break. <laughs> Some hot shit. And Let's we're back. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're back. On to... Um, a lighter topic of conversation, which is okay. Um, her Empress Grimes. <laughs> Grimes. Her Empress Claire Boucher. C. C. As she would be called, C. 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 Speed of light, C. C for Claire. Oh my God. I. She's like J twelve. J doos. Zai. Zai. Oh. I think that's how you say it, Zai. Zai 12. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, Kai, Zai. Yeah. So she recently had that TikTok where she was talking about communism. Hey, communists, I have a proposition. Hey, communists, I have a proposition. She is a piece of work. I've definitely given her enough money through Spotify streams to justify justify saying that. I'm a big fan. I'm actually, unfortunately. But you know what the thing is? I don't, I actually don't turn to like, entertain entertainers for activism for politics or for politics is the yeah. thing like i'm not we can definitely analyze like their political impact and their political yeah. stances but i don't like listen to a musician because i like their politics and i i i you know what i mean like i also really i love her praxis i don't like her as a person but i'm like i can separate the two in my mind weird i think i i think i I, would I, wouldn't, like her, I wouldn't eat the her I all spaghetti diet. I wouldn't eat the spaghetti. The buttered I, I toast. I wouldn't eat the spaghetti, the Kool Aid, or the GoPro cubes. But I would. Oh, I, think I, would I think she's cool. I, I tried to Google cool. those cubes. I cannot find them anywhere on the internet. So Silicon Valley, you get Silicon Valley hookup. You gotta get them at Air One. No, that's LA. I don't know if they'd be into a Go cube. But 
Anyway, what did you think? What did you think of her proposition that basically if we fully embrace AI because... I thought it was like super cool in terms of like, oh, how can the left embrace technology? And I thought it super missed this major part of leftist thinking that's like, we really value human autonomy. (laughs) I think it was a real big miss with the... um, There's this big part of thinking left especially libertarian left and i can't tell if she's libertarian or authoritarian she said don't tread on me okay so she pretends to be libertarian oh no i don't know there's there's i get don't tread on me vibes source it's the elon relationship okay i get that i get that i get that one thing about a lot of tech people is they act libertarian but they're actually authoritarian they're like corporate authoritarian but nobody on the left wants to outsource human agency to a robot. Yeah. That's not a thing. No one wants that. It's not like reactionary-ism. Reaction... It's not being reactionary. It's not being a Luddite. It's like nobody wants to give up the ability to make human choices and be a human person and interact in society. It's very, like, very vehemently, vigorously, like, person-driven. Yeah. Nobody wants an AI to solve for farming you know nobody wants that well like okay my thing is like i understand actually what she's saying which is like fully automated luxury fully automated luxury luxury communism fully automated luxury gay space communism was the the meme that was what she wanted and i understand that argument but coming from her given her relationship to mr elon musk it feels to me a little bit like propaganda. She's like, here's a vision of the future coming top down from Amelia in which I exist. From a millionaire and a billionaire telling you you should like maybe embrace AI. Yeah. But I'm like, that's cool. Like, but like the working class can't embrace AI. The yeah. working class has no actual access to AI outside of a very, on a very small individual level. Yeah. Yes. But I'm like, Why would the people who manufacture and make bank off of AI tell you to embrace AI? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Also, I'm like, if any technologist, any futurist can tell you anything about the way that, like, automation... Also, I'm not convinced she knows what she's talking about. If any of those people... I'm convinced she's a good producer. I'll give her that. No, she can, like, she can make a good song. But, like... Sorry, I just don't want to be a Grimes hater. I just no, I'm not a hater. I'm just no, I'm video. I'm critiquing the argument she's Me making, too. Sorry. where she's like AI, 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 and I'm like, no, 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 no. You do. I'm also not a technological expert, but I'm just saying, there's a difference between artificial intelligence and like the process of automation, which is That's what true. will happen over the course of the next ten to twenty years. And it's not even, and it's not going to be pretty. People so... It's going to be as ugly as it is now, in fact. Yeah, it will be worse than it is now, in fact. It only gets worse. Yeah. You guys buckle up, not to be like a doomer, but I'm like this... I'm openly a doomer. I like to think of myself as a realist. (laughs) I'm like, I'm being honest. Capitalist realist? Yeah. As Mark Fisher would put it. Capitalist realist. Mark Fisher, if you guys don't know, is a very far left thinker. Wait, I wanted so to. So when we say Mark Fisher jokes with capitalism in them, it's we're not. It's tongue in cheek. 
My, no, I all, I honestly wanted to change. I'm not on Instagram anymore, as you know, but I wanted to change my, um, my, like, my, the Handle? little, like, my bio. Oh, your bio. My little bio to, like, a God-fearing capitalist. Like, a God-fearing Christian, but, like, God-fearing capitalist. I'm, like, I'm also sorry, but, like, no one's a communist. No one's a communist. No one's a practicing communist. If you live on a commune and, like, you don't earn any wages, you don't go to stores... Like, DM me. Because, okay, before anyone says anything about communes practicing communism, my mother grew up in the USSR. <laughs> because and because the enforced time, farm labor is not the vibe. Not the vibe. The way she put it was so funny. <laughs> it's not to the quote vibe. Grimes, to quote Grimes. Yeah. Um, but my mother grew up in the USSR, and she would always remind me when I had, I had a communist phase in middle school, too. This isn't a phase anymore, though. Unfortunately, I'm stuck here. But she would always tell me about this. There was a big poster at her high school that said, basically that said, like, we're currently socialists and we are, like, aiming forward, driving forward, pushing for communism. That's awesome. Because the USSR, this is the fucking thing. The whole time the USSR knew they hadn't achieved communism yet. Yeah. It wasn't like, no one in the USSR was like, oh, we're fully pure communist it was like like no one in the USSR was thinking like oh we did we did it we achieved communism we're like a hundred percent there it was constantly the goal it's a project yes but in the same way in like a lot of authoritarian contexts it's like mm. you know like there's always the project you gotta well, the care is peace peace is slavery whatever yeah the fuck Orwell said. No, the carrot and the treadmill the, yeah. you gotta keep us yes. going towards something you think you're winning yeah. the race and along come faster rats to yeah. quote Elaine and it's like you just kind of get stuck in it, but for good reason, for obvious reasons. It's like nobody in the USSR thought, except for the staunchest communist party members, and I mean, yeah, I'm not thought that we party. had, yeah, 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 thought that we had achieved Another it. Another fun fact when my mom was a kid, her grandmother and great grandmother, when she misbehaved, would tell her, hey, be careful. Bill Clinton's gonna bomb you. <laughs> Bill Clinton's gonna bomb us if you misbehave. Bill Clinton and Joe Biden, architects of the 1994 crime funny. bill. <laughs> oh, back to the crime. Yeah, I'm like, I won't let that, that go. Post USSR. I won't let that go. That was po- that was yeah, 90s, no, I know. That was 90s yeah, no. anxiety they still that had was about like nuclear warfare. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. The U.S. makes you think the Cold War ended in 94, 90, sorry, 89, 91. 89, yeah. It didn't. I know. Not US for a lot of people. No, of course not. Because you had to phase out of it into like a predominantly capitalist mode of production, which is. I saw a post recently that was like, it's cool. really funny that Americans think that they won World War II. It was definitely the USSR. I was like, it gave me pause for a moment when I thought about like who, <laughs> who ran Germany over. Yeah. Can you imagine if Germany had faced all those other forces westward? Yeah. Did I send you that meme where it was like, it was like the beans and toast and it was like, I can't believe these people like they're eating like they're still being like blitzkrieged. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why did the British eat like they're still rationing food in World War II? Yes. <laughs> to this day. Anyway. The culture. The culture lives on. Honestly, culture is such an important artifact and it it's is. like mostly lost these days. I think about that a lot with... Um, Pride, 
to not to bring up this no. topic. We didn't plan on talking about Let's this. Let's get into it because it's a it's a. I mean, I think people more and more are now aware of corporate pride as a thing. Yeah, corporate pride. It used to be a marginal kind of like occasionally get a Tumblr post about how you think Citibank is being disingenuous. Yes. But now everyone's like, we all know Citibank is being disingenuous, and not just yeah. Citibank, but also. Yeah. But the funny thing to me is that like so many people still engage with the like corporate produced highly policed pride things i don't know i mean people should have time to like express themselves and to whatever like celebrate their life but i don't know i'm also like i'm not gonna be like oh like i i don't have like a really like hot take or like big like critique of corporate pride because i'm like most of our culture today is capitalist cult. It, it is. I mean, unless you're hanging yeah. out with like, really, I don't know. I'm not unless also trying to be like a commune, or you're hanging out with like really underground people. But even then, it's like all of it's like in this like vortex of like you can't even express like the whole produce idea consume of taste even like your taste. It's just your consumer preference. Yeah. Or, you know what I hate more and more now that's, like, incorporated into, like, most people's lexicon? Curate. Curate. You can fucking curate. It's a disturbing word to me. Curation? Everyone wants to be a curator. Everything is curated. Yeah. Your recommendations, your friends, your, like, Instagram feed. Your suggestions on retail websites. Yeah. It's not fun. And half the time it's curated, in air quotes. Yeah. By, not a, I mean a bot. Yeah. Like I would say most of the time. There's a bot Yeah, it's like algorithmically determined. Yeah. It's very sad. But I think that curate makes it seem like it's like, I mean, cura- the word curation gives, I think, people like a certain connotation. Yeah. It feels a little bit more decadent and luxurious and like, oh, it's curated, it's made for me. It's 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 made, like it's it's intentional. It feels intentional. Can I say something to like, that too? It's just like I feel like the idea of curation like imbues people with a sense of like autonomy. Ooh. Like I'm making these decisions. Whereas, like, I think a lot of it is, like, actually... You're passively interacting with the digital interface that's harvesting data as you interact with it. And that's where the decision happens. Yeah. And it's also, we all have, like, neoliberal brain where it's, like... Oh, absolutely. You do, like, pro-con, like, fucking analysis in your brain to be, like, should I hang out with this person? Like, what do I get out of this? That's, like, the whole thing with, like, a transactional relationship. It's, like, it's not, like, this person always then requests me $5 when I buy them coffee. A transactional relationship is, like, you meet someone and you're, like, what do I get out of knowing them? Who do they know? Who do I know? Yeah. What do they do? A grifter in the classic sense of the word. It's, like, you, you go on a date with someone and you're, like, oh, well, how much do they make? What's their credit score? Where do they work? What can I get out of this? Yeah. But it, it's like ingrained. Yeah. And through no single person's fault, it's yeah. just the way that we kind of think right now. Money is like a universal proxy. It's like money used to exist as like a way to trade. Like, how do you trade some grain for some bronze? Yeah. 
while you have this universal unit of exchange called bronze, silver, or gold. Or social currency. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And now Clout. it's like... Clout. Now money is like... More indeterminate and yeah. ephemeral. Yeah, Clout. it doesn't... It's not just like, oh, money's something you can trade for material goods and labor. Now money is something you can exchange for anything. Anything. Yeah. Um, speaking of money... Tax evasion. Do you want to talk about... Yeah. Many thoughts on tax evasion. We have thoughts on tax evasion. We have thoughts on bipartisanism. They've really been pushing for this, like, wealth tax bill. And by they, I mean, like, the Democrats who are the visibly left Democrats who only exist to convince you that the Democratic Party is left. Progressive. Yeah. Yeah, like Warren, Bernie, AOC. Yeah. Like... I feel, really feel like they're just there to, like, convince you that the Democratic Party is left, even though the whole time the Democrat, excuse me, the Democratic Party is just, like, sitting there, like, being bipartisan with Republicans. But yeah. it's, like, these, these tax evasion. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. A lot of people do it. Congressional members do it. Billionaires do it. I learned recently that how you avoid paying income tax... You move to, like, Oregon. No, I mean, yes. Where they don't have, like, income tax. Or you have to minimize your income through your company. Mm. And instead of having an income, you take a a really low-interest loan from a bank. And a bank Mm. will give you a really low-interest loan if you're a really very wealthy person. Yeah. Because you can trade loans the same way you trade stocks and bonds if you're a bank. Yeah, a debt. So, trade yes, debt. you can trade Trading debt. Trading debt is like the... I don't, That's so crazy. I don't know economics, but I'm like, that doesn't sound so, right. I mean, trading debt is the reason the 2008 financial crisis happened. Yeah. Dude, I'm convinced we're headed towards another huge economic fallout. Which, I'm like, no if question. 2008 was bad, whatever's coming... Whatever's coming, I better have some savings. Like I don't I don't think money will have any value. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if savings will matter anymore. I don't know, but I don't know money or finance. But intuitively, I feel like... But I recently found out that if you have a lot of a high net worth in terms of assets, you can borrow against those assets and get a really big loan and then just like... So you borrow the loan against those assets and instead of like having to you say you get like a like a million dollar loan instead of paying like what two hundred thousand in tax you just pay a two percent or three percent interest rate to the bank you got the loan from and you just live off that loan while you have these like super big assets well they're also and i was just like oh my god that is literally how it happened i was always wondering i was like Okay, so they always say that Jeff Bezos has no liquid assets. But I'm like, what is he living off of? Because he's clearly financing this, like, huge yacht thing and all this stuff. Yeah. And I'm like... I mean, he definitely has... There's money, money somewhere. Spend. I'm like, where is it coming from if he's not making an income? Yeah. And I was like, oh, you you get a loan. You don't have to pay tax on a loan. You don't have to pay tax on assets when you're not, like, selling them. Yeah. Because they're not income. I'm, yeah. And the way the tax... The tax... Income tax system only acknowledges income as taxable. An asset isn't necessarily income. Capital, also, capital gains are not income. To your point, too, the, f- the Fed? The Fed. The Fed, whatever. Whomever is doing this. There's a lot of neg- like negative interest rates right now. Where it's like technically the banks are, because of 
because of COVID, but I think it's because of the like recession we were entering even before COVID that they just barely saved us from because it's not a free well, market. No, but I'm saying like, um, well, yes, but, um, with the negative interest rate, it's like the banks are literally like technically on paying paper people paying people to, to incur debt. Them. In the hope that their no, ability because it, to trade that debt yes! will pay off in the long run. Yes! And I'm like, is this not the exact situation we were in, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago? I I mean, those I'm were, speechless. Those were subprime loans. I don't even think they had No, no, no. It's not, it's not the same, it's like, but it's like a it's, lot it's, of it's like... It's more extreme. <laughs> it's, it's more extreme and it's a lot of like, a, like two... Call that what it, it's a lot of like speculative yes. financing where it's like yes. we anticipate <laughs> like um, what do they always say? What's like the turn of phrase where it's like steady as she goes? Yeah, that's like an economic phrase. Steady as she goes because it's like they take like economic reality as reality itself, and there are no external factors that like influence anything which is it's in a vacuum my favorite thing about taking econ classes was i was they were always like this model doesn't work in the real world but this is how we model things and they were like you can do the math but it doesn't it doesn't real math it's not real math love it's not it's not made up that's the thing about math it's sorry (laughs) i'm like delete that (laughs) i'll edit that out (laughs) you can do the math but it's not real life yeah. The thing about math is math in the same way as language, it's like a symbolic system. It's another medium of, through which we yeah. communicate. It's a set of symbols that have very strict rules regarding the ways they interact with each other. Yeah. But it is still a set of symbols. Like the idea of division and multiplication isn't things that, you know, like exist in the world. Exist in the world. It's it's yeah. ways that we it, these are functions we developed to describe how we see the world happen. Yeah. That doesn't mean they are how the world happens. Can I tell you something too? I rewatched a Schoolhouse Rock video recently Ooh. where they were like, um, they were like, they were trying to teach like multiples of 12 and they used this like weird, it's very disturbing. I think it's on like Hulu or something if you want to watch it or HBO or something. But it's like, this person has like 12 digits and like we would have like one through like 10 digits and then we have like Y and like Z digits that like we can't name because it's not digits we have. And then we have 12 and I'm like, okay, that just like really shook me. Cause I was like, honestly, like, yeah, like 10, the like, I don't know, like a lot of, sorry, I'm not making just, any sense, no, but no, I'm just no, saying I mean, like all of it is so the arbitrary. Fact that we, we use like have that we have a base 10 counting yes, system yes, is because we have 10, 10 digits. That was my point. <laughs> Mathematicians have gone like over their heads proving that a base 12 counting system is actually a way better counting system. It makes multiplication smoother. Yeah. Like it literally just. But I'm like, like, we don't have 12 digits. Problems. Yeah, but we have 10 fingers, so we use the number 10. Yeah. I'm Everyone supposed did. to imagine two extra fingers on my hand while I'm counting? I don't think so. When I'm when I'm doing the tip at a restaurant, I have to like <laughs> I have to I'm use like, your big toes. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'm like throw those into the mix. Um, anyway, my point, and I think it's interesting because I feel like there's a lot of like structuralist and like post structuralist critique of language. And Definitely. someone feel free to educate me. 
I have never, also I'm not in this world, but have never encountered a similar critique of, of mathematics. mathematics. Okay, I'm going to actually recommend, I've never actually read Wittgenstein. Okay. He was a mathematician, though. He was German. He studied at Cambridge. The existential crisis of his life was, like, being a gay man in, like, early 20th century Europe. Oh, Alan Turing. But uh, I would... Alan Turing. In my head, <laughs> I'm, like, honestly, like, icon. He was, like, yeah. a mathematician, and then he, like, fell into linguist, linguistics. He was, like, okay, we're... And mind you, I've never read his work. I've only just read about him and, like, watched a play about him and, like, read the Wikipedia page and these other people's writing about him. But it's, like, his whole shtick was basically, like, what we think is math is just us using language as a really, really strict set of symbols. What we think of as politics is, once again, just a bunch of linguistic problems we're working through. Yeah. And, like, everything just falls back to, like, how we're defining the words we're using. Yeah. And it's all actually just wordplay. Yeah. Which makes a lot of sense for me when I think about how postmodern philosophy is just a lot of wordplay yeah. sometimes. And, like, it's literally, like, plus and minus is just words. Yeah. Well, also, lang- it's interesting, like, the allowances that are afforded to, like, language, language versus that math. aren't math. Yeah. Or, like, that aren't afforded to math in this sense. But there's way. a big boon to your point. Like, yeah. No, 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 I know. Very on this, very okay. on this wavelength. Cool. So, that was just like if you guys want to Google him and I got his name wrong, that's my description. It's definitely yeah. Wittgenstein. It's like Ludwig or something. Um, anyway. Schiller. He fought in the trenches, which sounds like. I wouldn't even fight in the trenches. I would just let myself die. I've, I've always Trench said warfare. this. I've always said this. If the apocalypse happens. You, I would just, you want out. I would just find a bottle of wine somewhere and kill myself afterwards. Yeah. Like, just I'm like not chug trying to do a it. couple of bottles and call it a day. Call it a day. I'm not trying to live through it. Yeah, just go out, like, chilling. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow, I'm in Prospect Park. Is that a bomb? <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Um, that is so crazy. So crazy. Really. Yeah. I'm going in and out of Australian and, like, Geordie, like, Shore accent. Geordie. Um, Anyway. You know more about the Australians than I do. Oh my god. Anything else you want to? We're at like we're at like an hour. Wait, can I just say, Jeff yeah. Bezos is going to space. Very cool. He's gonna say f- more. Take the first flight with his like Blue Origin or whatever. Oh, he's, he's doing he, it. He's like, I'm know, divorced. He is. I'm not the CEO anymore. Person. I'm going to space. Also, can we talk about like he's not the CEO anymore? That doesn't mean he has less power. He's still a majority shareholder. I didn't understand why people were, like, excited about that. I that was doesn't like, mean he has any less sway over how the company I operates. Know. It just means he's out of the spotlight. Like, it's literally yeah. just, like... It's a brilliant move. He's pressured by Larry Fink of the BlackRock group, I'm who sure. had that letter to shareholders, who was like, blah, 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 corporate responsibility, ESG, all that shit they're doing now. We like, have to look really woke because yeah, if we don't, we're not, we're exactly. the consumers are going to leave you us. Know, and you know what they're How doing now? How dare the consumers like, leave us? Sustainable finance. They're doing all of this shit. They're just like tacking words onto other things. It's like, to me, it like makes perfect sense because I'm like, it's happening at like all levels of all culture levels. now. Um, but mind you, just because Jeff Bezos is no longer the CEO of Amazon does not mean, I'm not talking to you, Antonio, I'm sorry. No, I know. I'm literally talking to the mic. Just because Jeff Bezos is not the CEO of Amazon does not mean that Jeff Bezos has no control over how Amazon functions. It does not mean that Jeff Bezos is divorced in any way from Amazon. In fact, it means that he can take like a backseat driver role to function. Yeah. But 
that doesn't mean that he is the only person responsible for how Amazon now functions. Because, I mean, the corporate MO of Amazon has filtered not only through all levels of that company, but into other companies. Let's also be not honest. Only, yeah, not only like HQ treatment of like people who work at, you know, in the offices, in the corporate offices, but yeah. treatment of employees. Like you could, Walmart was already doing that and it's only gotten worse. Like it's just that kind of thing. I'll just say though, like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't even afford like the figureheads that much power. I'm like, I'm not convinced Elon Musk is that intelligent and like the same extends to like Jeff Bezos where I'm like, you have like McKinsey in your back pocket. You have like a fucking entire arsenal of consultants who are like designing your business strategy. It's like, they're the figurehead in like the classical sense of that word. Like they represent the company, but like, don't, no, no, no. I know what you mean. I'm just saying like in general, it's like, we think these people have a lot of, which they do. It's not to say they don't, but it's like, they are not like, commander-in-chief they're yes. not just like okay, top-down yes. ordering orders with without not already having like the like rigor Ooh. of mckinsey analysis to back their like strategic business decisions yes that's my point i will be clearer the reason that jeff bezos but i know what amazon, you're saying you're just saying like just because he left, he left doesn't, doesn't mean, mean that, that everyone else yeah. at amazon is like, hasn't. oh, we, like, own the company now. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Precisely because, like, precisely because the entirety, the entirety of, like, oh, McKinsey strategizing for over a decade to figure, I mean, I don't even know if Amazon uses McKinsey or if they use I don't know. I'm not, oh, we're not going on but record McKinsey's saying that, but I'm, one. like, I would venture to guess. They're all they're... McKinsey. They all want to be McKinsey if they're not McKinsey. So. Yeah. Um, if, so, just because... Now I would be. I would be. Can I say? Clarified that. I yes. would be shocked if Amazon was not working with McKinsey. I would be, too. I would be shocked. Like okay. Anyway. That'd be kind of, that'd be kind of ghetto. <laughs> yeah, I'm like Amazon's Ooh. not working with McKinsey. You're working oh, with shit. Bain. Oof, babe. Anyway, what were you gonna say? Um, oh, just because Jeff Bezos is gone doesn't mean that everyone else at the company, not even on an individual level. But just on a, like, company-wide level has internalized that, like, ethos, whether or not you believe that Jeff Bezos is the only person responsible for producing the Amazon ethos. Like, just because he's gone doesn't mean that Amazon has changed per se. It has not changed in a significant way. In fact, I would argue that because he is gone, it's like the PR point where Amazon tries to look better but actually gets worse in terms of, like, labor practices, in terms of environmental impact, in terms of tax evasion, in terms of like effect on like small business and like producers yeah he's go- so back to antonio's point like he's gone only a name he exactly he is not we shouldn't be like overjoyed because he wants to go fly on a spaceship to mar- to fucking the space like why would anyone want to go to i hope it blows up but i'm also like curious that he wants to leave oh my god they all want to leave they all want to leave. All of these projects, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Bezos, I'm assuming also probably Bill Gates. These people know what's coming and they want to dip. 
They want to be gone off the planet Earth because it's That's not so lame. They what is death. the point? Also, Pathetic. people, people really. I'm like, people are like, oh, what would you even do with all that money? It doesn't matter. And I'm like, blah blah blah. You know, it's like, oh, you can't even, you can't even spend a billion dollars. Like, you can't do that in a lifetime, Actually, even if you spent. But I'm like, you can, that to to you people, can, you can't spend a billion dollars. You can use it to finance something. Well, that. But I'm saying, like, to people like that, it is inconsequential. Because precisely because I think they have that like zoomed out bigger picture of the world where they're like, actually like what? And to your point, like they finance things to leave because it's like, there's no point in being that wealthy on earth. Okay. What, you're right. If and it means also I want to go back to dying in this like, like people shit on that level have a different perspective. We don't mean that. I totally agree. We don't mean that in terms of like, Oh, they're smarter. They're better or something. No, we just mean that like when you have that much access to like, I mean, there's knowledge you're privy to knowledge, literally it allows you to like literally change the world around you. If you have, if you are the head of a trillion dollar company, you literally can like, can affect how the entire world around you operates on a large or small scale. Yeah. If Jeff Bezos said we're shutting down Amazon web services tomorrow and like the entire internet blacked out. The world would end. You wouldn't have Netflix. You wouldn't have... I don't know what else they You wouldn't host. have Columbia University. Yeah, you wouldn't have Columbia Services or whatever the fuck. CAS. They go on AWS. Yeah. Half you wouldn't inter- have any of them. Uh, probably half... It was like 40% of the internet It was 40, like, yeah, a few years ago. It's probably more now. I know. So... So, it's like... I mean, I'm just saying... When the world around you actually does kind of cater and operate to you, around you, it's like... It's not, we're not being like, oh, Jeff Bezos is enlightened and you need to hustle and be an entrepreneur like Jeff Bezos so oh you God, can I would get on his never, level. I would no, never, I would never spew that. We're not pitching him as like a bitch you should worship. We're pitching him as like, I mean, we're not even pitching him. We don't have to pitch him, sweetie. Let's just look at him. We're, this is a, an instance of like. If you have that much money and your objective is to leave the earth, can you imagine what that means for the earth? Like, can you imagine what that means for, like, all the Amazon warehouse workers they refuse to give adequate, like, wages or care to that are, like, just stuck? And, like, and those are the people, like, the people working in Amazon warehouses and the people who buy from Amazon, which is primarily the middle and working class. I know you can think of, like, one rich person you know who buys from Amazon. But that's not the majority of people who buy from Amazon. It's like the every majority. no. I mean, that's the brilliance of it. It's that like everyone, everyone uses Amazon. Amazon. The tyranny of convenience. It is a tyranny. Yeah. Anyway. Nonetheless, consumers create demand and create jobs. Yeah. And There's no way out of this hellhole. I'm convinced. Oh, that's what I wanted to say earlier. This Mark Fisher essay, it wasn't, it wasn't the Vampire's Castle essay. It was we need to, like, attach essay. these to, like, the Patreon so people can, like, see what we're referring mm, absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yeah. I will link. I have the links. Yeah, I have the tabs still open on my phone. But he was, Mark Fisher anyway. was talking about, oh, wait, wait, sorry. I don't know what I said, to be honest with it you. It wasn't the capital, it wasn't the Vampire's Castle essay. I'm going to cut this out. Um, what did you say right before? I don't know what I said. Like, why don't we just wrap it up? We're at an hour, dude. It was an essay. 
I don't know what I said. Oh, it was okay. Sorry, I think I oh. think it's a Mark Fisher essay. Here's what I was gonna say. I'm so sorry. I think okay, it was wait. a Mark Fisher essay. I'm gonna go, uh, and you can interrupt okay. me and then keep talking, so it's easier to edit. Um, oh wait, 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 wait! I remember. Okay. I'm th- almost sure it was Mark Fisher. If it wasn't, honestly, correct me. Anybody is also always welcome to correct us in these things. It, I'm pretty sure it was a Mark Fisher essay, essay where he discussed how capitalism is not only compulsory, but how like a lot of the times people suffering under it know that it's compulsory. They they don't feel like they're like forced and just they don't just feel like they're forced into a system. They feel like they're like stuck in the system. Oh, the system, the society. They feel like they're we stuck in, in it and they know they're stuck in it. And yeah. they're so stuck in it that they're like, well, like, if I know I'm stuck in it and I don't want to be stuck in it and no one around me wants to be stuck in it, but we're still stuck in it, like, what are like, what are we to do? And it just, like, breeds this, like, level of hopelessness yeah. that is so difficult to escape. But I'm like, that is precisely what the system feeds off of. It does. Of making, like, there's no alternative to our current way of life and you're also so exhausted at the end of the day that you can't even imagine an alternative you can't sit and form a community of people in person not online who like share common beliefs to like have like some fucking samis dot circulating and like really unify people because it's like you are broken down to a point where it's like and we already feel this way now yeah Mind you, what's coming? What's coming? (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, should we wrap it up? Yeah. We're like an hour. We're good. This is like the longest episode we've ever produced. That's cool. I was worried, but we we did it. We did it. I was scared to... to come back. Me too. I was really scared. I thought I'd disappoint myself. But I hope. I feel like this was a good episode. Next time we can get into, ooh, bipartisanism. Wait, can I say one more thing about bipartisanism? Yeah, we can wrap up with that. I wanted to talk about it, but it just didn't come in, but that's okay. But you know what? Can I say something, though? It, no matter what happens in, like, the week or a few days before we film the next. Also, yeah, I'm holding us to this. We will film another episode within the week. Yes, we will. Because we're back on this. But, like, whatever happens in the next week, there will be a reason to talk about it. Oh, but yes. But plug, plug next week's episode it's now. All the Democrats do. All the Democrats do is be bipartisan. Yeah. Here's my take on bipartisanism. The Democrats are pushing bipartisan politics because they want Americans to think that we need to compromise with Republicans. Because what's really happening is the moderate Democrats and the moderate Republicans are pulling in both sides of the party into essentially a far right because both parties are already actually right. Yeah. It's, it's like, okay, this is it's like economic interests. You're, yeah, yeah, they're, they're everyone, socially liberal, economically conservative. The Democrats are socially liberal. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, they're, and they're just like, they keep pushing bipartisanism because they want to pull everyone into... They want to get Americans acclimated to compromising with conservative economics. Yeah. Because... They want to literally eliminate... Like, this is, like, my take on it, but yeah. I don't think I'm the only person in the world who's no. ever had this thought. Like, Say it. The reason the Democrats are pushing bipartisanism so hard is because the Democrats are like, well, we're just Republicans who have black congresspeople who aren't... What's-her-face? Yeah. 
Max of Waters. Waters. I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, let's get into it on the next episode. Yeah, if you guys want to hear more about what's wrong with the Democrats and hearing me yeah. apologize for telling you to vote, like, we'll pick tune it up in next time. Oh my God. On the next one. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much if you stuck around this long. Um, we really um, appreciate it. We And thanks for coming back. We're actually back. We are we're, back. Yeah, we're so excited to be back. Um, and we'll catch you on the next one. Ciao. Arrivederci.